0: Um, yesterday, I was actually getting my hair cut in, in the city, uh, a place I'd gone a couple years ago that Pastor Rick had told me about, Royal Rhino, and a guy, he's not here, maybe he's watching online, shout out to Micah, uh, cut my hair, but uh, a couple years ago, I told him about this place, and he's been coming over the last couple months, and so I was asking him yesterday, I said, what is it that you love about this place. And he told me the same thing that I always hear people say. He's like, I just loved Pastor Russ's preaching. And, and that's why I've been coming back. as a joke. But he, he told me what I always... So by the way, if you are brand new today and you hate today, you could come back because I'm not the lead pastor. Uh, but I am honored and excited to share with you today. But he told me the same thing I always hear. He said, the moment I came in, it was so welcoming. And it felt so good. And I just don't want to take that for granted because there's a lot of places that I feel like you have to go there a year, two years, three years before you ever feel like you're at home. But I love that this is the kind of place, it's designed on purpose, that this is a family and we want you to feel at home from the moment you first walk in. It doesn't matter, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus, maybe you don't even believe in God, but wherever you're at in life, wherever you're at in faith, we just hope you feel at home right away and my name is Russ, I'd love to get to know you anyways that we can help you, and uh, welcome again to all of our global fam watching online. Come on, one more time, X Can you help me welcome everybody watching online? And can I just say, are you so glad that it's a new year, like anybody? Shove the person beside you. It, can I, I, I want to be the second person to say, I don't know that I've ever been more excited to say this, but happy new year. Just, you knew I was going to do this, but just shove the person beside you and say, you made it. Just tell them, say, you made it. You don't, you don't sound as excited as I am, but we're here and we made it. And I know that everything doesn't necessarily change just because you step into a new year, but it, which actually, I was riding down when I was on the way uh, to the city yesterday. I saw, I think it was on 33, you know, those digital like signs, boards. And you know what? It, it actually, I don't know if you noticed this, if you live anywhere near the city, but it said, New Year, same virus. I was like, what the heck? Why? Where? Like, how do you, how does the hope giving committee scrape the bottom of the creativity barrel of this one sign that we're going to get for a brand new year is New Year same virus. But Happy New Year, and I'm just so glad that we're here. I just want to sit in this moment for a moment because this is a brand new year, and uh, I, I do believe, though, we should kick off the year Right. Right. We should kick off the year strong. We should kick off the year right. And, and I believe that, you know, no matter where you're at in life right now, tuning in online or in the room, that God has a word just for you today. And so I'm going to read a simple verse, pray, talk for a few hours, and then let you go home. <laughs> you ready, Pastor Jesse? Let's go. Turn to the person beside you and say, let's go, let's go, let's go. feel like T.D. Jakes. Let's go. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you have a regular Bible, maybe just one of the old-fashioned paper, trees cut down deals, or maybe you have a digital Bible. If not, we have the Sky Bible that will be available in just a moment. But this verse is two verses after one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. It's a verse you've probably, uh, it's two verses after a verse you've probably seen stitched on pillows, or maybe you've seen it in one of those cheesy, no offense if you have this, one of those cheesy signs in the living room, you know, hanging up. Jeremiah 29, 11, I love it though. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future and not to harm you. And how many are thankful in crazy times that we do have that promise that God does have plans for us and they're good plans. They're plans for your good and my good and for his glory. But two verses later is actually a verse that's even more meaningful and rich to me. And it's a promise and an invitation of God of intimacy. And it's Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen You will seek me and find me When you seek me with, let's say that next word together, all, let's try it again, all your heart. Now, one of the things that's so beautiful about Scripture to me, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that, you know, this verse is in the Old Testament, and the context is God is speaking through a prophet to a specific group of people. But we find out in the New Testament that every promise from God is actually yes and amen in Jesus. And so this same verse that was spoken specifically to a group of people, I want you to know that invitation is hanging over your head today. An invitation from the heart of the creator of the stars to you that says, if you want it bad enough, come and get me. And you can experience me in a brand new way. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And I just thank you for the moments that we have together. And God, you know just how flawed and imperfect I am. But, God, in, your, in my weakness, you're strong. And so though I'm a vessel of clay, I pray you'd shine today. And, God, you know that these are truths that have burned in my heart for a long time, and I pray they would catch like fire in this room and in every single heart that's in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody like me like pranks? Anybody? Yeah? Anybody had a prank go too far? Um, I wish, I, if we had time, I, I, I could just tell you so many great moments, so many great pranks. Now, I don't like, I don't like to be pranked. I like to prank. What's that? I, can't, I still can't remember. What's that phrase? I don't like to. It's one of those areas where I don't, I can't dish. I don't like to. What, what, what is it? I can't. Don't dish out what you can't. I don't know what it is. But anyways, that's me when it comes to pranks. I don't like to be pranked, but I enjoy to prank. And when I prank, I don't like Winston prank from New Girl. I, like, go all the way out. You, you, you understand where I'm coming from. So, um, favorite prank of all time. Do you want to hear it? That was really underwhelming. Do you want to hear it? Okay. So, favorite prank of all time. Um, <laughs> me and one of my best friends, Colt, uh, he's a guy that God really used to just plant a spark of faith in my life when I was a middle school kid. And then we, we had a, another buddy in school named Ray. And, and together we went to church and tried to seek after God the best we could through our adolescent years. But Ray went through some really tough times where he drifted from God and just refused to come back to church. And nothing we could do could bring him back. We tried everything. You ever had somebody like that in your life? Or maybe you're that person. You're like, I just I'm, I'm, was dragged here today, but I'm not really interested. But, but we prayed for him. We tried to beg him to come back to church. We tried to, you know, bribe him, everything. Nothing worked. So we did the only logical thing that you can do in that situation when all your options are gone is we tricked him into thinking he'd been left behind in the rapture. So, now if you're new to church, you may need a little context. So, um, there's this thing called the rapture. It's not actually, the word's not in the Bible, but the concept's in the Bible. And it's actually a beautiful promise that when Jesus gave his life for us and then was raised again from the grave and then he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, I'm coming back for you. And then we find out in Thessalonians that uh, this thing that we call the rapture is he's going to come back and in the blink of an eye, uh, the, the people that know Jesus are going to be caught up in the air. And as he's going to come back, it's going to be called the rapture. And back when I was in middle school, they, they had a bunch of books made about it and a bunch of movies. And it was this big fear that you'd be left behind, you know. And in the middle of all this, some of you that have been in church for a while, you know it. You're nodding your heads. You know this was like your greatest fear. Remember that? That song, I wish we'd all. Oh, why, do, why am I singing? But, you know, I wish we'd all been ready. That song, you remember that? You remember that song? So Cold and I planned this to a T we were all in my parents' uh, basement and um, <laughs> Ray was on, on, on a couch and we were in the other room and we got up super early and we changed clothes and the clothes we'd had on the night before, we laid across the bed like we disappeared and then we went upstairs and then we laid, my, my parents were gone, we knew they'd be gone, we laid their clothes across the bed and then we found this left-behind movie where there was a 20-minute news clip that we put on loop that was so realistic. It was like, right now, ladies and gentlemen, the millions of people around the world have disappeared and planes are crashing and the stock market is going down. And right now we don't know what's happening. All we know is that houses are divided and there are people that have been caught. And we, don't know. And we put that on loop. And then we had pre-planned for some of our friends to call at st- specific strategic moments in a panic, freaking out, screaming, our families are gone. So, yeah, so, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. So it was about the time that Ray reached the stairs going up and heard the news report that the screaming started, and he started yelling. Now, we were hiding in the closet. Ray had a temper, so we we were hiding in the closet, and and, uh, yeah, so. I think what the, the, the mistake we made is this is before cell phones. It's crazy to believe. This is before cell phones. And so eventually there came a moment where we picked up the landline uh, to call another friend because we ran out of friends that were calling to freak out. At the same time, Ray called, was about to call 911. And he heard us, I will not repeat to you in church the words that he said to us when he found us in the closet. But why do I tell you this story? I don't know. No, I tell you this story because this prank would not have worked had we not gone all out. This may sound like a stretch, but as we go into 2021, I don't know like if you're a New Year's resolutions person, but I love New Year's resolutions. And me and Ray, before Ray defriended me for this moment, I remember every December we would come together at Panera for whatever reason and write down 30, 40 resolutions that really weren't great like specific resolutions. It was more like wishes, like I want to go hot air balloon riding this year, plus a goal that would have taken 10 years to achieve. And as I've gotten older, you know, I've learned to actually, I still love New Year's. I still get super sentimental and nostalgic. I still love getting full of vision and casting vision for the new year. And me and my sister and my niece have been doing this. And I've learned that actually to be effective, you have to prioritize and then have a few goals and then create a plan on how to achieve those goals. And I'm no kind of life coach at all, but I just want to throw this out for your consideration, is that could it be possible... Because here's what I know, there's everyone in this room, I want to take just take a hunch that there's at least one area in your life that you would love to move, right? Like there's one area in your life that you would love to be different, that you'd love to change, that you'd love to make progress on it. And I want to throw out this thought that could it be possible that some things in your life and my life won't move until we finally bring all of our heart into it? That when you go half-hearted into things, in fact, if you want to write down just the word over today, it's simply this, wholehearted. Can you just say that with me? Wholehearted. Say it again. Wholehearted. (laughs) Sorry. It is really funny to watch people say wholehearted, half-heartedly. Wholehearted. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But there might be some areas in your life that will not, let me, you know, maybe for a while you've said, I want to get my finances in order. But, you know, if you ever read any of the Dave Ramsey books or you watch any of his stuff, you know they talk about this verse from Scripture that says, as the gazelle is being chased, so deliver yourself from debt. And at the Dave Ramsey, at the Total Money Makeover Financial Peace University Institute, they literally talk about gazelle intensity. And when someone comes in and says they want to get out of debt, when that person leaves, they'll literally gauge that person's future success by the intensity that was in their eyes. And if they weren't gazelle intense, they'll just come to the conclusion, yeah, that person thinks getting out of debt's a cute idea, but it's never going to happen. Because there's some things in your life that breakthrough and victory is only waiting on the other side if you bring passion to it. There's some things, you can't go half-heartedly against addiction, can you? You can't have a take-it-or-leave-it approach. You can't have a take-it-or-leave-it approach towards your marriage. You can't have a take-it-or-leave-it approach. In fact, I thought today, since it's the first Sunday of the new year, I would just inspire you with a little bit of my greatness, Is that okay? So I flew to Greenville, South Carolina to be with my family over Christmas break. And my mom, I feel like she's perpetually always cleaning out the basement. And every time I go back, she wanted to sort through boxes and see what needs to be thrown away or kept. And I came across a couple treasures that I just thought you'd appreciate. And so we'll put the first one on the screen. Yeah, it's Word Wizard. Word Wizard. Now, this is in a magazine. I don't know if you can tell. Not a big deal. But it is in a magazine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, can the rest of you join in and clap too? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Am I doing this to so brag? Right? Yeah. Um, it was a joke. But I, when I was in second and third grade, now, I was passionate about a ton of things growing up. I was a super weird kid, but I feel like I have to say this. I did play... Baseball for 15 years. I was into martial arts for 12 years. I was into literally everything. But one of the weird things that I got into is I got obsessed with words. I got obsessed with words. And I remember like I hated church in second and third grade. But the preacher always used these big words. So I'll write them down on a yellow legal pad. And um, I made this my decision of what I wanted to do was to write and compel the greatest, most ultimate thesaurus that mankind had ever seen. For third grade, for my Christmas list, I had on there a baseball tossback to practice my throwing and pitching and catching and and all that kind of stuff. But then I also had on there for my Christmas list an original Roger's thesaurus. In fact, can we go to the next clip? Yeah, that's me. Not a big deal. This time it's a newspaper. I don't know if you noticed the top word um, up on the left, it says prodigy. If you don't know what that is, I can tell you later. And here's the thing. Some of you can actually say that you know me. Not a big deal, but it is. And, yeah, this is me. So if you hit a slump in the new year and you need to be inspired by greatness, just take a screenshot. There it is. So some of you are new. You're like, I don't know what is happening right now. Don't know what is happening. So just welcome. and Come back next week. But some things aren't going to change until we bring our whole heart into them. And this really honestly hit my life in a, in a really rich way about four years ago. Uh, the story of Caleb. Now, if you've been around our church for a while, you probably remember Pastor Tim talked about this story several times. One time at a servant leader night and then back a few months ago in the I Choose series. And so I won't try to recap all of it. You should go back and watch it. But this story, Caleb, changed my life in a, in a really tough season. And so just to recap, Caleb, uh, was part of the children of Israel. And maybe even if you're new to faith, you're familiar with Moses and the story of the children of Israel and God raised up a man named Moses and goes to these two million people that are God's people. They got a promise on their life of a future promised land and salvation. And through them, they were gonna have a land through which God was gonna use them as the people of God, through which was gonna come the savior of God. And so God sent Moses to Egypt and there's the plagues and then he brings them through the Red Sea miracle, the Red Sea parts, you remember the story? And then they were supposed to take an 11 day journey through the wilderness that ended up taking over 40 years because they wasted their time with complaining and sin and unbelief. And towards the end of this 40 year period where this first generation didn't even make it through the wilderness and into the promised land, God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to send 12 spies, 12 scouts to scout out the land. Now, this was not a scouting trip to decide whether or not they should go in. God had already promised that they would go in. This was just to get intel. This was like the original 007 crew, right, just to get pie graphs and charts about what the land was like. But when they got there, 10 of the 12 scouts became crippled with fear when they saw the giants and when they saw how fortified the cities were. And all of a sudden, and is this easy to happen, their problems became bigger than the promise. And the giants in their life became bigger than the God that had promised them a future. And they came back, and in case you don't know this, there's nothing more contagious than attitude. And the poor negative attitude we had, there were ten anxious Andes, doubting Dans, pessimistic Patties, negative Nancys, should I keep going, worried Wesses. I'm done. And then there were two, though. There was Joshua, who would be Moses' successor, and there's a guy named Caleb that I love. And Caleb had a can-do spirit, but he was drowned out by all the negativity, and I want to read you this verse of, of what happened. This is Numbers 14, because here's what happens. God gets so angry about what happened that he says, I'm going to wipe out this whole crew. And none of them, by the way, two million of them ever saw the promised land, but Moses interceded before God and he said this and it says the Lord replied I have forgiven them Moses as you asked nevertheless as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it but everybody said but oh this is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, say a different spirit. Different spirit. Yeah, you can't say that half heartedly either. Because he has got a different spirit. And follow me wholeheartedly, he'll inherit. The land. And again, I won't recap the whole message other than just to remind us of something really, really important. That the most important thing about you is not your net worth, it's not the amount of money, it's not your skill set, it's not your charisma, it's not who you know, it's not how much money you have, it's not your church history. The most important thing about you that will determine your destiny is your spirit. The thing that will determine whether you get through the wilderness and into the promised land is your spirit. Two million people died out, only two got through, and God gave only one reason. He's got a different spirit. Your spirit will determine your destiny. This concept so lit a fire in me that I'm going to be that guy and just tell you, I spent $180 to have a tattoo artist put painful ink on the inside of my arm so that for the rest of my life, in the most painful seasons of my life, I could be reminded that I may not always be able to choose my season, but I can not choose my spirit. And my spirit will make the difference. And in 2021, I want to begin again to choose a different spirit. But here's the thing that I asked God when, when God began to just, just download this. And it changed there because I had asked God. I, I drove. I had a church service just like this. I was in Atlanta 2016. And I left so discouraged. I gave those fake church smiles. You know, you give, hey, nice to see your brother. Bro. Well, I guess you don't say brother, but, you know. And I see it. And you do those fake smiles. And then I drove to a coffee shop and just sat in a corner booth and just stared at the wall. You ever been there? No? Okay, well, I feel alone. Um, but I did, and I asked God to speak to me, and this is the message the moment I opened Scripture. But what was even more powerful to me that day is I asked God, I said, God, like, what was it that made it a different spirit? Maybe you remember the, the message Pastor Tim gave where we even talked about, maybe this is extra credit for you, where we talked about the spirit of this house. Do you remember? An energetic spirit, an enthusiastic spirit, an expectant spirit. But all those are attributes. And to me, maybe this is where this is the sequel of of Pastor Tim's. I was like, but God, what makes a different spirit? Because if I'm not careful, I I can link spirit to personality type. You know what I mean? Uh Like I I am unapologetically an enthusiastic person. I at least try to be. And and unless I'm in just a really low season, it just bubbles up out of me. And I actually think it's really important and it's scriptural. But not everybody's personality looks that way. Not everybody is so outwardly expressive. Some people are extroverts and some people are introverts. Everybody's different. And so it's not fair to say that a spirit is linked to a personality type. And so I asked God, I was like, God, what makes the spirit different? I know the spirit will get you through the wilderness. And by the way, I love this. It just reminded me, as I was even thinking about this, Zig Ziglar, he's this famous motivational speaker. He said it this way. He said, God will take care of what you go through. You just take care of how you go through it. But I said, God, what makes a different spirit? And, and, and it did not always happen like this, but I felt like God just almost just took a highlighter. And I looked and I saw the rest of the verse. It says, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, and what? And follows me, say the word, wholeheartedly. And then I noticed that every time you see Caleb mentioned almost in Scripture, you see not only does it say he has a different spirit, but it says he has a whole heart. In fact, if you skip ahead two books, uh, Caleb goes from being 40 to 85, and it's the end of his life, and he's actually made it through the wilderness, and he's part of the second generation, and he goes up to Joshua, and I love it. He says, all right, you remember how when everybody else doubted, and everybody else complained, and everybody else chose fear over faith, I chose to follow God wholeheartedly. He says, now give me my land. I love that. Some of you need to make a decision. This isn't in my notes, but I feel like some of you need to make a decision that this year I'm going to choose my land. Uh And you know what I love about Caleb? I need to be careful because I could talk about this all day. Caleb, when they said, what land do you want? He chose Hebron. He actually chose the land with the biggest giants. Can you imagine what his team said? Wait, you want that land? That land actually has the most fortified cities, and it has the biggest giants. And you would. Caleb said, 85-year-old Caleb, he said, I still have the same strength today as I did when I was 45. Now give me my mountain. You still have mountains to take. I don't care how old or young you are. you got mountains to take this year. And your spirit will be the thing that gets in you and takes you to the mountain. So his whole heart fueled a different spirit. That's point number one. I'm going to go so that I end up shutting up eventually. Your whole heart is what fuels a different spirit. They asked Jesus one time, sum it all up, what all this is about. And he said, this this is it. All those 611 laws that the Pharisees tried to tack on, all the prophets and all the law and all the ages, here's where it is. Here's what it's all about. Love the Lord your God with some of your heart. And occasionally on Sunday... And try to be a pretty good Christian. What a boring, miserable life. If you've ever thought religion is miserable and boring, you're right. (laughs) But passion? You know what I found sometimes? Sometimes I'm waiting to feel better when I need to do better. Uh And sometimes I think comfort is what's going to bring joy when really joy is brought on the other side of me finally leaning full in. Uh And that will bring the breakthrough. And so he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I love what Paul said in Colossians. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart. And in other places it says this, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all as unto the glory of God. What would happen this year if you cultivated a whole heart? Number two, I'm going to go quick. If, if a whole heart is what fuels a different spirit, then could it be possible, and honestly, in a a good way, I hope this hits you the same way this hit me six or seven years ago when a mentor said this to me. Could it be possible, number two, that partial is the enemy to your destiny? I'll never forget, my mentor looking at me, he said, son, partial obedience, like half-heartedness, lukewarmness, that's the thing that would stand between good and great. That's the thing that would stand between the greatness of what God would wanna do in and through your life. And, and immediately, as he said this, and I started thinking about this concept, I mean, a, mil, a million different thoughts started flooding through my mind, a bunch of different stories I, I thought about, and if, you, if you're a brand new to church, you're watching online, and you don't know about faith, maybe you can investigate this more later on, but I thought about King Saul, how uh, he was commanded by the prophet to go to the Amalekites and to be God's instrument of justice and judgment against them and to wipe everything out of the camp, and Saul did that mostly. But he left a few sheep bleeding. And then all of a sudden, the prophet comes to Saul, and Saul starts congratulating himself. But the prophet says that haunting phrase that still haunts me to this day. He said, what is this bleeding of the sheep I hear in my ears? What you considered mostly obedience, God considered disobedience. I think about how Jesus in Revelation the prophet John, or John, he has this revelation and, and, and the spirit of God is having the words of Jesus sent to the churches and to one church, Jesus said this. He said, I know your deeds and I know that you're good church people. He said, but I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, you're like those moments when you go through the Starbucks drive-thru and they hand you a lukewarm uh, peppermint white chocolate mocha and you can't help but spit. that sucker right, isn't that what you always get? Pastor Zach, uh, peppermint white chocolate mocha, no it's not. Okay, but you get one of those and it's lukewarm and you wanna spit it out. Which is what you want to do in your relationships, right, when somebody's half-hearted. I think about the story of this obscure story in the Old Testament of King Joash and the prophet Elisha. And the king is about to have a war. And the prophet comes to him and says, open up the eastern window and shoot an arrow through the window. And then after you're done doing that, take the arrows and strike the ground. And the Bible says that the prophet struck the ground three times and stopped, the king did, and this is so weird. It says the prophet became angry. and said because you've only struck the ground three times, just apathetic, complacent, tap, 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 going through motions, going through routines. I, I, once heard, I once heard a leader say this. He said, you know, the pain of falling short is nothing compared to the pain of stopping short. And do you know I don't want to look back on 2021 or my life and ever say how close was I to victory? How close was I to greatness? How close was I to breakthrough? How close was I to God's best in and for my life? And the prophet said, because you've only struck the ground three times, you'll only have a partial victory. And I know this is heavy, but can I tell you, this isn't a condemnation moment. This is an excitement moment for you to hear the heart of God who loves you so much saying that I have called you to joy and to be fully alive. I can tell you, I am the most messed up person you'll ever meet. I'm not being modest. Like I got, I got so many faults, but I don't understand apathy. And God wants to put fire in our bones, and that's where joy comes. You with me? You okay? Number three. What if? To, what, let me just say this. What if today the greatest thing that could happen in your life is to have a funeral for partial? Just to draw a line in the sand and say, I choose passion from this day forward. Number three. And actually, before we get to number three, just one, one story. Because, see, really this whole message is a setup to where we're going over these next 21 days. You, you saw the video, and I, I hope you're excited. We're getting ready to step in to move move a 21 day fast that we believe there's nothing more beautiful than giving God the first fruits of your life the, the first of your day, the first of your week the first of your paycheck and the first of your year and, uh, and so over the next 21 days are you excited? we're going to seek God, we're going we're gonna to pursue God, we're going to wholeheartedly go after God, so here's my question to you have you ever gone wholeheartedly after God? have you ever, I'm not asking if you're a believer, I'm not asking if you're a good church person. I'm not asking if you walk with Jesus. Now, have you ever had a season where you turned aside like Moses to the burning bush and said, I'm going, I'm going to take up the invitation of Jeremiah 29 and 13 and seek the face of God with all my heart? Have you ever done that? There's this story uh, that I love in, I'm about to tell you, Second Chronicles 34, 1 through 4, it says this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine picking up Milo back in ex-kids? and say, hey, he just became king of America. <laughs> and he's just, you know, he's, he's going to reign. But that was different times. And King Josiah became king when he was eight. And by the way, for all you parents out there, it's never too young for God to move on your kid's heart. Samuel was nine or 11 when he heard the voice of the Lord speak to him. And most of the kings were, but it says this: um, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem thirty-one years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David. In other words, Josiah was a good guy, right? Like he was a good Christian. He he, he served in guest experience, and uh, you know, shout out. He uh, you know he he's a good guy. He's a good Christian. Showed up to church, but I love the contrast that it gives. Next. It says, but in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And I guess if there's anything I want you to catch today, it's this. No matter how long you follow Jesus, there is a life-changing shift that takes place when you have a season where you go from just walking with Jesus to wholehearted pursuit after God. I'm not saying every season's like that. But my question is, have you ever had one of those seasons? Because if you have and you've chased after God, it marks you for life. The encounters with God that come out of those seasons, the anointings of God that come out of those seasons, the miracles that come out of those seasons will mark you for life. And you'll be ruined forever for casual Christianity of come to church and go through motions. It just will. Like, you'll lose your taste for it. And I love that it says King Josiah was a good guy. But there came a moment, and came a time, and here's what, here's, I'm saying this to excite you and encourage you. Maybe you're saying, honestly, I've never done that. Here's the beautiful thing. You and I together, starting tomorrow, we're gonna do that. I thought I'd get at least one clap, but <laughs> too late. You don't care. I'm just kidding. Maybe you care. It's inside, internally. Yeah, maybe you're an introvert, but not an expert. But anyways, but maybe the Spirit of God is gripping your heart. And so January 4th, through, I believe it's the 26th, for 21 days, we're going to seek after God. Maybe you are brand new. Here's what I love. Last year, we had people that would literally call themselves agnostics that went through this. And so, if you don't even know what prayer and fasting looks like, maybe you don't, we got you covered. We got guides that are going to be handed out. We got 21, Pastor can tell you about it, devotionals at the shop. We got the, the shirts at the shop. Just got to give a shout out for that. We're going to have Tuesday night prayer. Meetings every Tuesday of the fast. We're gonna have social media devotionals. So whether you've known Jesus for 30 years or you're just wanting to check out to see if God is real, can I invite you on the journey? The point number three is simply this. When we pray, God moves. And when God moves, things move. Can we say that together? When we pray, God moves. And when God moves, things move. One more quick story. This is the disciples one day try to cast out uh, demons, they tried to minister to a group of people And it didn't work <laughs> you, you ever tried to make a move Towards God and it just didn't work And the demons Wouldn't come out, There's somebody that was just really oppressed and, and they came back And they told Jesus, what's the problem and Look at Jesus, I love how blunt Jesus is Sometimes we don't like to talk about Faith but Jesus said in Matthew 17 When they asked him why the demons wouldn't come out He said, you don't have enough faith I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move. Everybody say move. Move. Anybody want to see mountains move in your life? Amen. Oh, come on. Anybody want to see some mountains move and be cast into the sea in your life? You could say this mountain moved from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. I, I, I want to tell somebody, impossible is where God starts. But this, watch this, but this kind of, it says demon, insert your own issue. Addiction, relational issue, financial issue, doubt. But this kind of won't leave except by prayer and fasting. I wanna challenge you and encourage you. There are some things that won't move until you move wholehearted towards God in prayer and fasting. And we could go through all the scripture We could go through the Red Sea parting and moving. We could go to Elijah calling down fire from heaven. We could go to the disciples after Jesus ascended to heaven and he said, wait in Jerusalem. And they spent 10 days praying and fasting in the upper room and it was only when they were praying and fasting in the upper room that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit swept through that place and filled them all and revival came and the church was born and thousands of people started giving their lives to Jesus. We could talk about, I, I love the, the image of Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones where God told him to prophesy to the bones and, and all of a sudden this just desolate valley of just bones came together, ligament, they move because when God, when we pray, God moves and when God moves, things move. And I just felt like taking a couple minutes, if it's okay, to just tell you some stories that I, honestly, Maybe you don't wish this. So I wish I could shut the doors and lock them and just us huddle together and talk about the miraculous moves of God all day. I love where the psalmist says, I remember your works of old. Can I tell you a couple works? Can I? Yep. I'll take the four of your yeses as a yes. When we pray, God moves. And when God moves, things move. I think about Nate that I knew from South Carolina when I was a college student. And a bunch of us, we were part of this youth group, ministry team, and we would travel in the summer and do camps. This is when drama was big. Do you remember that? Behold the. Light. No, I'm just going to talk a bit. Well, drama was big. We would go to these youth camps, and our youth pastor would preach, and we would pray. And Nate, I just got to be honest. He was a negative Nancy. Can I tell you something? You're not judging me. When it came time for prayer and prayer requests, prayer reports, I would skip him. I hope you're not judging me. You're quiet, but I, I just it. He would suck the joy out of the room like every single time. I mean, everybody's got issues, but every single time, somebody would be like, you know, life's hard, but praise God. Nate, what's going on? he'd be like, "I just every single time. Well, Nate was especially negative this one week, and I got it, because he'd got a bad knee, and something had happened. He'd been limping all week, could barely walk, was in so much pain. And Nate was this tall, bearded uh, bass. Player that would give that stank face when he played bass. I don't want to tell you all these details, but all I know is after one of the experiences, Nate said, Could you guys pray for me? He said, I'm so discouraged. He said, My knee, I just I hear you guys talk about the power of God. Would you pray? And a group of us gathered, and I remember we felt the power of God. And this may sound crazy to you, but God instantly healed him. Instantly healed his knee. He began walking. I still remember this, Pastor Zach. Me and my buddy Alan. It was like 11 o'clock at night, so we're really hungry. So we, we drove to a Waffle House and just ate a ton of food. We drove back. And when we drove back, no joke, I still remember, it's dark outside and Nate is running back and forth across the fields. <laughs> Tears running down his face. I said, bro, what are you doing? He said, I just can't get over how real God is. And I can't believe that he healed me. But here's what I know. When we pray, God moves. And when God moves, things move. Anybody? Anybody follows followed Jesus long enough to know that? Can I tell you the the reason that I'm in full-time vocational ministry right now? I mean, number one, just the ridiculous grace of God, the obscene mercy of God over my life and the call of God. But I knew that I could never do anything with my life besides vocational full-time ministry from the moment God touched my life as a middle school student, but it was 15 years after that. And I remember, and I wasn't upset about it, honestly. For all my mistakes, I didn't have an ounce of complaint in me. I love serving. I love volunteering. I moved to Lexington, Kentucky, and two and a half years into that, it was stressful because I was in full-time retail management, but also kind of volunteering full-time. But I trusted God, and I'll never forget, I was working at this retail store one day, and this girl, Mallory, her and her husband had moved to Kentucky as part of a church plan, and she just looked at me one day. She said, Russ, you know you're called to full-time vocational ministry, and your pastor knows and he wants you on. Have you ever just asked? And I said, well, I wouldn't do that. I would never want to put pressure or make put him in a weird... She goes, no, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about God. I said, well, God knows what I want. She said, yeah, but the word of God says you have not because you ask not. And the Bible talks about the parable of the widow who uh, knocked annoyingly until the door was open. And Jesus said to seek and you'll find and to ask and you'll be given and to knock and the door will be open. And so what if you don't have because you're not asking? So I made a decision that day. I didn't tell anybody. I just kind of waved her off I went home, I got on my knees and I said, God, my mission, to be the most annoying person on your doorstep. And those of you that know me know, I can do that. (laughs) And so every day I said, God, no entitlement, no complaint. I trust your timing, but I'm gonna be really direct and I'm gonna storm the throne of grace and I'm gonna tell you what I would love for you to do in my life. I trust you with it, but God, I'm knocking and I'm gonna knock until the door is opened and I don't know if God just really trusted how annoying I was, but I'm telling you it was about a week later after waiting 15 years that I got a call in the middle of the night from my pastor at the time and said something's gone down. One question, Russ, how soon can you start? And it's been 10 years that I've been now in vocational full time ministry. Why? Because when we pray, God moves, and when God moves, things move. Mm-hmm. What, one more. You got time for one more? I, I remember when I first came my life to Cheese, there's this guy named Bo Madden. And, and Bo Madden, he was the pastor's son, actually, and it was this large church. And even though we were in South Carolina, he was obsessed with the UNC Tar Heels. I don't know why, but obsessed with the Tar Heels. And, and so he loved basketball. Only problem was he had asthma. And so I remember at all the youth trips, he would sneak the inhaler. I don't know, I don't know why I said sneak. I probably didn't have to sneak it. But, you know, he'd have the inhaler. He would take puffs of the inhaler. And I remember there's this Tuesday night Bible study called Edify where I first learned these concepts. This full-time FedEx driver would teach this class. And just about 12 or 15 of us and, and would invite us into these practices of prayer and fasting in one time boat. Just down-to-earth kid. He was pastor or something, but just down-to-earth. And he just... Got emotionally said, guys, would you just, would you pray for me? Would you pray that God heals my asthma? And I'm telling you, you can feel the spirit of God fill that little room. And we prayed and laid hands on Bo. And I know again, it may sound crazy. I don't know what your background is, but God instantly healed him. And that room was connected to the gymnasium. And we walked out of the gymnasium and he wanted to test it. So he started running and he took four steps and collapsed on his knees and started coughing and wheezing. I'm just kidding. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, that'd be the worst story ever. Sorry, I just, I just, I just want to see if you're awake. <laughs> sorry, I got myself. Okay. Starts running around the gym. Tears streaming down his eyes. That was in eighth grade. I knew both throughout middle school, throughout high school, throughout college, never touched an inhaler again. Because, and and, and if you really wanted to say this is a little bit more, this was like a really expressive church. And the pastor, is one of those old school churches where the pastor would would also sing sometimes too. And you probably remember this song, Pastor Steve, it's a really old traditional song, The Enemy is Under My Feet. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. And if he got to really feeling good, he would insert in that verse, he would say, the Lord gave my boy back his breath. I want to tell somebody watching online, God can give you back your breath today. And do I really need to clarify on this broken planet that not every story ends like that? My uncle just a month ago passed away from COVID. We prayed, he did not get back his breath. And on this broken planet, here's what we know. God doesn't always move how we want him to move or when we want him to move. And sometimes God, instead of moving the things on the outside that we're convinced we need to move, is more concerned with moving the things on the inside that really need to move. But what I can tell you is this, is that there is a promise, Jeremiah 29, 13, that those who seek action with all their heart will find them. And I can tell you this, God never wastes your faith. Even if he doesn't want to move the way that you want him to move, he will move. And he will either meet your expectations or exceed your expectations. Because when we pray, God moves. And when God moves, things move. And I gotta, gotta tell you this. The greatest thing you can get in going after God is not the thing that maybe you're praying for. The greatest thing you can get in going after God is God. think sometimes I forget that. And I think what I really need is, no, what I really need more than everything I think I need is more of the presence and the power and the person and the anointing of God himself. Cause when I get God, I get everything else. And a few weeks ago, I felt like God just, just, it may sound weird, but just the invitation I felt was this. Us in this season in which there is some pain, you can have as much of me as you want. And that may sound really obvious, but it's a choice, isn't it? The old author A.W. Tozer said this he said, The most indicting thing about each of us is that right now, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, right now each of us has as much of God as we want. That's why Jesus said, Matthew 5 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The greatest thing God could give you in a fast is a greater, more insatiable hunger for him. Because if you're this hungry, you'll get filled this much. But if you're this hungry, you'll get filled this much. And I believe that same thing God whispered to me is hanging over every one of your heads. What if you could hear God's voice today telling you, you can have as much of me as you want? I love where David says in Psalm 27, my heart has heard you say, come. And I'm responding, Lord, I'm coming. Is that sneaking up in any of your spirits right now? God, I'm coming. God, I'm coming after you. I don't know how, and right now I'm bleeding, and right now I'm broken, and right now I got some things in my life that I really wish would change, and I even got some guilt and some shame, and I got a lot of junk, just to be honest, but just as I am, I'm coming after you in this season. And a couple days ago when I was getting ready for this, I felt like God whispered something to me that, Sounds a little paradoxical, but I, I knew it was for me is I feel like, God said, Russ, one of the biggest things that's going to happen when I move in you over these 21 days is you're going to settle. And I just wonder how many in this room that one of the greatest things that's going to happen is when the wind of the Spirit starts moving on your heart, the troubled waters are going to calm. And God is going to speak peace and speak joy. Can I tell you something? The best is yet to come. And when we pray, God moves. And when God moves, things move. Are you ready to go wholehearted after God? You feel him stirring in you? What you feel right now is not emotion, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit brushing against your skin and your heart. That's what's in this room. And so God, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that your presence is here. God, what we need is you, and our hearts are saying the Lord, we're coming. It won't be perfect. It'll be messy as it always is. But you said that those who humble themselves before the Lord will be lifted up. And you said if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And you promised if we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. Lord, I pray over everybody under the sound of my voice, and I just believe right now that, God, you are longing to drop embers and coals of fire in hearts that have felt cold for a long time. There are people under the sound of my voice and even listening at home that... You've known Jesus, you've walked with Jesus, but your devotional times have been stale and cold, and I believe God wants to breathe on the fire. I think of that verse where it says that God does not despise a, a smoldering wick. He will not snuff out in a bruised reed. He will not crush. God's not looking to crush you today. He's looking to touch you today. He's looking to fill you today and heal you today and restore you today and to breathe fresh wind over you today. I speak peace to everybody watching online and I just believe that a move of God is coming and I just speak it and prophesy it. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet and as we sing, what would it look like in these next few moments just to posture your heart and say, God, I'm available for how you wanna move in and through me.